beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, my name is Robert. My name is Sam. And my name is Trey. Hey, we're the three black men. Hey, party people. Um, how y'all doing, fellas? I can't complain. I'm doing pretty good, actually. How about you, brother? <laughs> um, today, on this day, on this choice day. On today. Uh, <laughs> this choice day. I am doing my spirits are high. Um, Do we want yeah. Trey to answer this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just playing. Go ahead, Trey. <laughs> my spirits are high on this day. How are you, Trey? That's good to hear, brother. Save sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and that would fire anyhow. And the only... jury is still out on all of that. <laughs> so I, don't even, I don't even know why I came on this raggedy. Oh, oh my god! Oh, there we go. You know what? Where, where, is, where is our good friend Mariel? Yeah, I know. We love, we love you, Trey Ferguson. Um, on the it's it's good that we enter in light because we have a serious conversation. Yeah, for yeah. you, and uh, we're talking today about uh the rise of black men dying being brutalized by the the police and we wanted to have just a set apart time to discuss it and so recently a death that has impacted us uh in different ways tyree nichols uh was murdered and just want to have a space to talk about black men dying prematurely being killed prematurely and the effects that this has had on us spiritually uh emotionally mentally so yeah i want to open the floor up uh how how are y'all doing how has this recent death uh, uh, affected y'all go ahead brother it's exhausting and for so many different reasons like this this last one brought so much to the fore i i have not seen the video if the lord wills it and and the creek don't rise i i will go to my grave never having seen that video um i don't ever plan on watching that video because i don't need to see the video i know what i know how it ended right um but just even the fact that like five people who by hue uh resembled Tyree Nichols in this issue, uh, in in this instance, were the ones who carried it out, um, brought so much to the fore. You know, ugly people had something to say about that, like, oh, how is racism involved? But it honestly illustrated the totality of the ineptitude of of a system that that has never really served us well. Um, and this is something that, like, as as a black man is intensified in the way that I think, but it's something that a lot of people need to be concerned about because you'll have a lot of ugly people who God loves very much as well, who 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 say things like, oh, you know, white people are killed by the police too. And I'm like, yes, why are you okay with that? Um, at what point do we decide that this is no longer serving us as a society well? 
And when can I finally stop entertaining the notion that, hey, somebody in a vehicle that says that their job is to protect and serve me, may one day fail to do either of those things and leave the people who love me on this earth bereaved. It's a heavy bag to carry. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Um, it I agree with Trey. It's very tiring. Um, I haven't seen the video. I don't want to see the video. I'm tired of hearing about videos and getting breaking news. Um, man, Trey. You know what, Trey? You actually just said something. You said that um that there's a reality that that we live with in regards to um, that one day the people that are hired to protect and serve us may not, they may fail to do so um, in effect taking our life, you know, uh, that's a very real possibility. Um, a lot is said when black men are murdered um a lot of very racist things are said when black men are murdered um but i can tell you um i've never been nervous about black on black crime um but i get very anxious about driving at night uh and seeing police officers all right well any time of the day um that's a reality of life um yeah uh i don't fear <laughs> i don't fear my own people um but i do have a fear of institutions um a lot of people would look and you know trey you brought it up oh well they look like him how can it be racism and I think that you really need to understand what institutional racism is. Um, yeah. All of these things are tiring, right? Um, so tired of talking about them, tired of hearing about them. Um, you know, I was raised by a cop. My dad was, he did, he was 25 years law enforcement before he retired. And one day I'll talk about the dichotomy there uh yeah. of what it's like to live <laughs> with uh to to be in that household um and it's not him right um because i he's different when he's retired he was different before um it's the institution um yeah it's the institution that's a problem yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think of um yes, I echo the sentiments of of what you both are saying. I think of the the title of the book Nobody Cries When We Die uh by I believe it was Patrick Reyes. Yeah, Patrick Reyes. And although it's about uh Latinx life in America, the violence um that they endure, et cetera. I, th I think of that phrase in relation to what we're talking about here. Nobody cries when we die. And 
It is exhausting. It's soul crushing to me, I think is how I would say it though, because I think of the long-term effect of seeing so many black men uh, brutalized and what that does to the psyche and what that does to the spirit in ways that we're aware of and unaware of. Um, It's not healthy for us. It's not good for us. I don't care how good you think you are. It is not sustainable to witness, be aware of black men dying in a continual way. There is no way that your your soul is left unscarred. And, um, and I want to name that because people thinking, oh, it's not, it's not affecting me. It is affecting you. There is no way you are getting out of this thing unscathed. Yeah. Um, There's a like, numbness that develops there. Mm-hmm. Because you have to in order to yeah. survive. And, and so I want to name that numbness. And um, that's part of the soul crushing. That's part of the ongoing uh, effects of institutionalized racism. Um, leading people to do all number of things. When Black men die, I notice the immediate um, need uh, from people to exonerate the, the, the Black man who died by going to, they love people. They were so good to their mama. They were, they were a son. Look at this, you know, and so so that's the the black knee jerk reaction is this what we are saying uh, unintentionally is this life was worth living. And that is so crushing to me, because don't we believe that humans have dignity and that they don't deserve to be executed, period, that I shouldn't have to be uh, a Nobel Peace Prize winner for you not to kill me. And, and so I think that is a soul crushing activity is our need to say that we're, we, we don't deserve to die. Um, and conversely, um, uh, the other side goes to the hardest to show uh, the person smoking weed that one time, the person uh, doing hood rat with their friends. Um, a mug shot from like 10 years ago. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I just, black men are worth living, you know, for, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is situations like these always draw into stark contrast, the life that I live and then the calling that I try to live into, right. Like as a minister and as a theologian and thinking through things, I'm probably one of those ministers that is often accused of not talking about sin enough, which I think is hogwash. Um, I I think if what you mean by that is I don't shame people for what we would deem as a personal misdeeds, then yeah, that's fair. But I think I talk about sin very frequently, right? Because if we look at what I believe the biblical presentation of sin is, it's not just a matter of individual choices. It's the actual systems and the ways of being that deprive people and God's creation of the wholeness that God created them for. And I can think of no greater example of what sin is than a culture in which when something tragic happens, we look for all of the reasons that might have justified that. That means we've accepted a reality in which this is just a thing that happens sometimes. That is sin that is depriving us of the wholeness that god has in store for creation right 
but a lot of times it's not seen like that in theological terms. And that frustrates me as somebody who takes this seriously, both this life that I was born into and the calling that I try to live into. Because when I try to merge these things, I don't I don't like to bifurcate my personhood, right? I think it's dehumanized when I have to pick and choose when when it's, oh, stick to the gospel. Oh, I, I'm trying to. That's exactly what I'm trying to do right now, right? If If the gospel that Jesus preaches is liberation to the oppressed, and, and freedom to the captives and restoring sight to the blind. That means that Jesus goes to where there is a need, that Jesus goes to where people are lacking wholeness, where people's very humanity is being compressed by forces outside of their own control. And that Jesus preaches good news to that situation, that it does not have to be this way, that because of the relationship that I have with the God of the universe, there is new life after this particular situation. There are other ways of being. Me yeah. looking at situations like this and, and activating my theological imagination to talk of better ways of being, that is the gospel. <laughs> and, and it's frustrating to me that like so often this is seen as a social issue that, that, that can't be touched on in this way. Yeah, what is the good news to Black men who are in the valley of the shadow of death? Yeah. It, it sticks with me. It haunts me, you know. Uh, I have colleagues who we ask this question, what keeps you up at night? Um, black men's uh, survival and thriving. Sheesh, I hate uh, this is making me emotional, but uh, I do think of that as like, what is good news? Someone asked um, online today, they said, where was God when Tyree Nichols was being uh, brutalized? That sticks with me. That haunts me. I don't have, you know, a former me, you know, two decades ago would have had a nice Bible verse for that. Um, that stops me short, right? Like I, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, and I need to experience good news um, here. You know, it's that, that reality uh, with the disciples coming to Jesus and him promising uh, things, tangible things, both now and in the age to come. I need those type of, of things from God. I need safety now and in the age to come, right? Like I, I need to experience it here. So yeah, um, I agree with that. Uh, I need to experience safety. Um, a couple, a few years ago, I had a relative that was like, you know, if you, if you would have, you know, followed your dad's footsteps, you know, your life might be a little different right now. And I like, I thought about that and I still think about that to this day. And I'm like, mm, I'm actually good. Um, I'm actually good. Uh, <laughs> I, I trust that God has redeemed, um, my experiences. I believe that he, um, because, and I, I say that to say, like, I just, I realize because I have so many family in law enforcement, I could have easily followed behind that. And if you hear that I have some issues with law enforcement, that's true. Some of that is personal, um, just from experience. Like I've never experienced to that degree, but I know easily it could have. Um, easily it could have 
and that scares me like to this day that scares me I, I was telling um I was talking to Kwani um uh, uh, I think we, we a couple weekends ago we went somewhere we went on a little family trip and um I was telling her about you know how I enjoy driving but I get anxious when I drive um on long trips uh just because like I cruise control is my best friend um I don't want any interactions with the police um and that's just where I found myself and it's 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 so it it's it can feel so um alone sometimes to be surrounded by people who think so highly of an institution that I am afraid of. Before Sam, Rob, and myself were podcast co-hosts, we were friends. This podcast grew out of a friendship. And honestly, it's grown into something more of a podcast. It's now a community. You can take part in that community at patreon.com slash three black men, all the way spelled out. And in that community, you'll get early access to episodes, bonus content like writings, videos, even some live conversations that you can take part in. In the event that you'd like to support us but aren't ready to commit to Patreon yet, you can submit a one-time gift via PayPal, where you'll find us at 3blackmenpodcast at gmail.com. However you choose to support, we're thankful that you did. Let's get back to the show. Elijah McClain was minding his business. Minding his own business. And and got brutalized. And so I think, you know, people have, have put forth this notion uh in the Tyree Nichols case because yeah. people people ran mm-hmm. to point out, you know, the the biggest pointed out quickly is black police officers. <laughs> um, as if that was um moving our goal point. Yeah. Someone we have... called F the, the white police. It was just F the police. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we have been saying consistently to your point about F the police. There is a sickness mm-hmm. that is rotting this this whole um, wing of America out, and they have been giving uh, given authority and and weapons to uh, and more money to do it and more, and money, more money to carry out their will and their their um, judgment about criminality. Um, that's toxic. And it, it was founded upon racist ideals. And so therefore it's still growing into that ever it's uh, budding racist be. tree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I heard both of you guys mention a word that's really sitting with me about safe and, and uh, safety rather. Yeah. And it's reminding me of Dr. Yolanda Pierce's book, My Grandmother's House, where mm-hmm. she talked about safety as the essence of salvation, right? So that sometimes ministers, I think I'm paraphrasing here, but sometimes uh, ministers during the altar altar calls where they ask, are you saved? uh, Might be better served by asking the question, are you safe, right? And that's to say that there is no salvation where there is no safety. So people talk about what, the police doing and all, oh, but there's lots of good police and they've done wonderful things. Yeah, that that's that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But what you're preaching right now is salvation for thee and not for me. Right. <laughs> like that that's what you're saying. Cause what I'm telling you is I I have never been in too many situations where I feel safer 
because of the presence of police. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not my reality. It's not how I'm experiencing this. And to your point, Rob, you said that it was founded on, on uh, racist beliefs. Like, yeah, what happens is after chattel slavery is outlawed, we got to find something to do with all these slave patrols that we had rounding up people before. And then they become the community servants, everything. And so while lots of people with good intentions go into law enforcement now, good intentions in in a bad tree don't do but so much good it's not going to yield good fruit at the end of the day yeah. <laughs> just you because can... no you preaching go yeah <laughs> but just because like the fruit here serve you like you you've been eating without dying does not mean that this is sustainable for everybody else's diet around you mm. yeah um, yeah i i like on that note like people have put forth this question of okay so y'all are complaining about it you know here's here they go well if we just get rid of the police then what i i i to that this point that you're you're bringing up trey um we don't feel safe anyway <laughs> i think you know there's this you know this imagine okay well let me paint a picture for you if we take the police out what are y'all gonna do the same thing i've been doing the same thing i'm actually quiet as it's kept probably be safer in a lot of areas and i think your inability to see beyond this is your problem it's a Mm -hmm. it's a depravity of imagination problem more than we can see life beyond being hunted down in the streets we Mm. truly can those of us who are under the boot heel actually clearly can see a, a, a way forward that doesn't look like militarized beings being able to walk out their racist ideologies on us um so yeah i was just thinking that when you're talking yeah um you know what trey you, you we we had just recorded a, another song and you, and you mentioned church being like a club almost right um and every club or institution has sort of a code of ethics right um yes that align itself with the vision of what their purpose to do. You better preach that. Okay, okay. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) stay with me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think what people refuse to accept is that the vision of, of the vision where the code of ethics aligns itself within the institution of the police is where it always has been, which is the policing of black bodies and the policing of uh, underserved communities, right? Which happen to be black and brown communities. You ever notice there's no policing, like rich neighborhood, wealthy neighborhoods don't get over police, right? Police presence is barely known, rarely known. It's, it's You don't see the 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 tangible presence of a police force because they're i personally feel and this is just me looking at history they designed like the police is literally after after they got after they got us and got us in check from running they said we're gonna keep you where we want you right and it went from the plantations to the redlining and it's still carrying on to this day. And granted, like we, you know, uh, many of us have moved on to, you know, some of us live in different communities now, but I still see the problem as where it originally has lied. And and I will die on the hill that there is no other way to stop 
black bodies from falling in the streets at the hands of police officers than to get rid of the police. I don't care. Oh, Be like, go ahead. Because at the end of the day, if protect and serve is the model, then the question is protect and serve who? At no point in American history have we all been on the same team. So protect and serve who if, if you protect and serving all of us, you join the military. That's what they do. Yeah. They go elsewhere. Right. Protecting and serving you serve. That means that you are about to lay your life on the line in defense of somebody else's for another reason. And that I, that necessarily means that there is an outside threat. Who is the threat that we're identifying now? Ideally, we want to be bad guys, criminals. But to your point, where are the people? being police where's the heaviest police presence that tells us who the threat is <laughs> right that, that, that tells right. us who that is um, and it's and, literally and, just for existing yeah like and let's let's be i was about to say bf for real let's be <laughs> <laughs> bffr <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, i had to get you um, <laughs> like be for real criminality is happening in the rich neighborhoods too like of course, it's actually happening. The drug use is drugging. <laughs> the the trafficking is trafficking. The like it's that the money taxing, going somewhere. The tax evasion is is evading, um, right? And so this this notion that somehow in our being, black men are more criminal by nature is a racist ideology that was uh, uh, bolstered by a theology. Uh, of othering uh Ooh. and with specific thoughts related to the curse of ham that have mm -hmm. continued to wind their way through history um and and so there are these thoughts of black men do commit a lot of crimes what do you want us to do um if the mission is to protect and serve to trace point what is the best way to accomplish that we know that the pipeline from police interactions to prison, that whole system is it has never been right. There isn't a way to um, redeem that. And so that's why when people say we wanna, we wanna 86 this whole thing, we mean it because there mm -hmm. is no way to just put some things, put a little stone in here to make it a good meal. This whole thing is corrupt, it's yeah. vile. It, and it, it is sinful, right? Like, it, and we're not yeah. going to be able to just throw more dollars at it and mm -hmm. it'll be fixed. And you know what? And even in that, even in doing that, like, as far as fixing, that only sort of uh, fixes the problem in, in that it, it's, it sort of stops, it'll, it'll stop the black bodies from falling in that way. But that that still doesn't like repair, you know what I'm saying? The the in many ways irreparable damage that has been done to our communities already, right? The school to prison pipelines and all of that other stuff, uh, which we don't even necessarily need to get into. But like all of these things for me relate as to like why my body is in danger and how systems keep it in. It's a reminder of how systems keep my body in danger and why I have to be careful of like how I even raise my kids to interact um, within these systems. And I'm not even I'm not even talking about identity politics. Right. I'm not even talking about, oh, well, just be a good person. So you just no, 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 no. Like that ain't even even enough. <laughs> you know, like it's not even enough to just mind your business and do the right thing. Like now you have to <laughs> you actually got to like 
be on the offensive in some areas, you know, in some ways to kind of actually move out of the way to make sure that you're not in the way for you get what I'm saying. And it, that's if you can see something coming. So, yeah, I hate this idea <laughs> that like, oh, it doesn't even happen that frequently if you just like obey it. Here is a historical reality. The majority of black people in the antebellum South throughout chattel slavery and in the Nadir, all that stuff. The majority of black people were not lynched. That is a historical reality. That is not in any way, shape or form mitigate, minimize or deny the horror that was the practice of lynching. Like it, even in real Absolutely. time, I.W. Wells Barnett went went on a, a tour like, hey, we got to stop this heinous evil because every time that happens, it sends a message that this could be you. Do I think that I will be slain by the police? I, I hope not. It is statistically like, like I'm, I'm more likely to live my life without being slain by the police than not. But the message has already been sent. This could be you and there is yeah. no salvation in that message mm. right we can be we could be co-workers with with god and what this looks like we, we can make full proof of that work out our salvation with fear and trembling <laughs> or we could just go along with the way of the world which right now this this, this is the, the the world that we want to the, the world that we want to point out and fight against this is what it is the world is saying that this could mm. be you and no amount of, of rhetorical gymnastics or anything or pulling out the statistics is going to change the fact that this is not the way it has to be. Yeah. yeah. That there is a fuller life for us. <laughs> that, that, mm. there is more, yeah. that there is a wholer and safer existence for us on, on the other side of this. Yeah. I, mm. yeah, this, the, this could be you is heavy, right? It points to the uh, shadow of death that just that very shadow um, living under that, um, yo, it's a lot. And I think in concluding, like, we wanted to bring this to the table to walk with one another, you know, and uh, to to bring attention to what many Black men have to suffer with, get up and go to work um, in these conditions. I, I think of, you know, I wrote an article for The Witness, two different articles, one of about this very topic, those we have loved, um, thinking about Black death, and um, another one, the beautiful core that surrounds Black men. And I just want to say, I love Black men. I think we deserve to live a full life uh, without the fear that you're talking about, uh, Trey. Like, we deserve to live. <laughs> um, and that that's sad that I, I need to say that, but it's necessary. So, Thank y'all brothers uh, for this combo. What's up y'all? It is your boy Sam and I am here to do another installment of On The Front Burner. And well, I mean it's almost over but y'all know we are in Black History Month. Yay! But shout out to Black History 365 though, right? Um, But what I try to do um. I mean, I try to live my life this way, but specifically during Black History Month, Black History Month, <laughs> um, one of the things that I try to do is I think about um, the people that have gone before us, right? The people that have gone before me, you know, not 
just the people that we know about right of course we know about rosa we know about martin 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 luther and you know we know about all those people but and i'm grateful right thank god for those people but i think about people like my grandparents who um maybe lived in a place where um the reach of civil rights weren't as strong uh, as um somewhere that would get attention um a bigger city right um somewhere that wasn't necessarily the deep south uh, or polk county florida <laughs> um but i think about my grandparents right like my grandmother uh, and i think i've mentioned it before i don't i don't know if i have or not on the podcast but i've definitely mentioned it before where my grandmother was basically the help um i don't know if y'all seen the movie the help she was basically one of the, she was basically a mammy she was basically the help until about i don't know 2000 1999 or 2000 when she retired um for a very wealthy family a very wealthy family in polk county uh and it, uh, when i say very well i mean very wealthy family um and there's really nothing to show for it right like my grandmother gave you know 40 50 years of her life to a family um did an amazing job with her own kids and take care of her her family but uh, and even my grandfather worked with him for a period of time right and i think about like how humiliating right it must have been um to take on that line of work and i've talked to her about it and she's admitted you know that it wasn't you know much of her proudest moments but um she was also a florist by trade and uh she had a business and for a little bit it really wasn't doing too well so um part of the way that she had to kind of help support was to continue on um being that right like she had a dream of being a florist and only doing that but you know um circumstances added that that wasn't always the way so i think about you know people like my grandparents and one of the things that i try to do is um live my life in a way that would honor all of my ancestors right uh, I want to live my life in a way that would honor them in not only my integrity and my willingness to um, put my hand to the plow, but also uh, in my ability to say no, um, in my willingness to rest, uh, in in my willingness to to um not give up on my dreams uh just like you know my grandmother did um you know what i'm saying um yeah that that's what i got on the front burner um i'm i'm really i really want to live a life that would not only be pleasing to to god but also that would honor my ancestors um even the recent ones right uh, so yeah that's what i got on the front burner man just trying to pay homage to those that you know have gone before me and have really had to in many ways deal with things that aren't ideal um and that they wouldn't want to deal with um in order that you know i might be here that i might have a chance that i might have a shot at a at a, a hopefully a better life um than what they did so i'm grateful for my folks I love y'all if y'all listening and 
kisses and hugs. Grace and peace to all y'all. I love y'all. Three black men, let's get it. Hey everyone, it's Faith Brooks here. I'm so excited to let you know that my new book, Remember Me Now, A Journey Back to Myself and a Love Letter to Black Women is now available wherever books are sold. So go ahead and get yourself a copy, share it with a friend, and I am just so excited for you to get this book into your hands and I can't wait for all of us to be able to talk about it soon. appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of three black men here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you now earlier i mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men we have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content if you don't want to do that you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on paypal at three black men podcast at gmail.com but we ain't here to tap your pockets Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason. <laughs>